Hey, welcome to Havelis Podcast. I'm excited that you're here and we are jumping into a brand new topic this month. I'm calling it Embracing the Good Hard Life. I mean, there are things in life that are just challenging. And how do we embrace liking our life and hating our life at the same time? I don't know about you, but I definitely have both things happening at the same time. And so I want to talk about things that have helped me learn how to navigate the good and the bad simultaneously, what it looks like to embrace the good and then confront the hard and then find that good balance. Also, what it looks like to embrace vulnerability in the sense that maybe you're having a different experience than someone else, the role of your mindset, and then navigating the transitions that need to happen in order for you to live that balance of good and bad at the same time. So listen, some of the things I'm going to share with you have radically changed my life. The idea of the things I was running from, trying to solve, the high that I was trying to feel was resolved. I began to give myself permission to live in the middle. And I hope that these tools and these mindsets and these these strategies help you so you don't feel um, hostage to a life that you're living or you don't dread the thought that something bad might happen in a really good life. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to decode it. We're going to debunk it and disempower it. And we're going to learn to do the good hard, embrace the good hard life together. Okay, but before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you in on something that is time sensitive. Yes, time sensitive. I have a question for you. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Have you ever wanted to write a book and maybe you didn't have the time or maybe you didn't know where to start or maybe you have a half a book sitting in your inbox and you're like, I need to finish this thing, but I don't know how to do it. Or maybe you have this big milestone goal of by the time I hit 50, I'm going to write that book and 50 is coming and you haven't written that book yet. I want to help you. That's my goal. And I have this really cool opportunity that I really hope you take advantage of. We take a selected private group of people through something we call Havilah's Author School. And this school is an intense masterclass in getting your first draft done. Yes. That is our promise to you that if you spend the next couple months with us in this highly intense um, contribution of time and resource, I promise you will, by the time the holidays hit, you will have your first draft. And that is the biggest battle you'll face in writing books. As someone who has written 13 books, your biggest battle is actually writing the book, not selling the book, getting the book done, editing, none of that. It's getting the book out. So If you would like to take that challenge on and you know it's time, I want to invite you. The deadline for applications is August 23rd. Yes, this August 23rd, it's the deadline for applications. Space is limited. Yes, we do filter and edit those that get to be a part. But if you have a heart to do it and you have the desire and you're willing to take the risk, we want to take the risk with you. So how do you do it? You can apply today simply by going to havilasauthorschool.com. Yep, we made it easy. Havilasauthorschool.com. We'll throw it in the show notes so you can access it as well and fill out the application. And then you're going to also get more information. Don't worry if you're like, I don't know if I'm ready. We get it. Fill out the application, join us on an information call and see if it fits for you. And if you know somebody else who wants to be an author, this is a great way to get them started. All right, that's it for now. I hope you're part of this this fall's class. Um, but if not, that's okay. You can catch us next time. No, not really. You can't. You got to do it now. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, let's jump into today's podcast. Okay. I came back from my sabbatical. Now, if you've been following me at all, you know that I have been on a sabbatical. And, you know, I did not set out to have a sabbatical. I always thought that was for, you know, senior pastors, people that had the the means and the time and the denomination that enforced sabbaticals. Um, And I just never thought of myself as taking a sabbatical, even really needing one. And this last year was really challenging for me. If you've followed my life at all, the podcast series, you know that sometimes it's not just one big crisis. It's all of the little crises that kind of fill up your world. And then it's that one thing they call it spilling the beans, right? Where you have that one last thing that takes you over the edge. And for me personally, it was physical pain. I could not do all the other things, the crises that were happening in my heart, head, life, you know, relationships, finances, all of that while experiencing physical pain and not just pain for a week or two, but for months and months um, with no end in sight. And so Ben and I had this moment, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about taking time off, which was a sacrifice. To me, it was the biggest step of faith in this season of my life because you know, we, we work for a living and that's how life sets us up. And so we, um, took that, that step in faith and took some time off and God just set the whole thing up. But I realized a few things and I shared this with our truth Academy. One of the things that surprised me was how long it took for me to start feeling like I was on a sabbatical. Do you guys, can you, can you just guess it took me 10 days to actually get the sense that I was able to embrace a, a deep rest, a deep just uh, release internally. And I, I remember it. We were overseas and I woke up one morning and I had that thought of, oh, I feel at rest. I feel like I can, I can breathe again. I'm not in fight or flight. I'm not trying to gear up. And you know, I feel like I can just be present in this moment. And then I had that thought, wait a minute, this is day 10. And every time in my life, you know, our big vacations were the 14 day mark. So the idea that 14 days, um, is all that we used to get or really have gotten, it's like you have three more days. And I can just imagine myself at that day 10 flipping around and trying to gear up for all the demands that have been put to the side that I have to actually address when I get home. So I really began to understand a little bit more of the power of a sabbatical time off. And then I would say week two, I began to feel this sense of margin to begin to really unpack some of the areas in my heart, in my life, um, in my ministry that I needed to take some time to unravel and to figure it out. And you know, when you are in fight or flight or survival, you know, you do your best. You have the hard conversations, you cry the tears, you, you know, embrace the moment of joy, but you can't really unravel it because you know that tomorrow you start all over again. So you can't just unpack it and go, well, I'm going to spend eight days thinking about this one thing. 
And for me, that's what the sabbatical did is it, it gave me margin to process. And I think I'm in this season and I don't know about you, but I definitely felt this way when I was in my late twenties, there was this kind of flipping of the script. It was time to kind of process who I was going to be. I wasn't just this spring chicken anymore. I was, you know, was I going to get married? Was I going to have kids? Was I going to have a career? Was I going to go to school? Um, you know, what were my limitations, real limitations? What were the things I was good at? I began to understand that. And I kind of went through a internal reflective moment and kind of a crisis of what do I want to be? What do I want to do? And when you don't have kids and you don't have a family or those kind of demands, I could do that at Starbucks and I could do that on a walk and I could do that on vacation. But when you have a bunch of people <laughs> you made that you are, you're actually keeping alive, you don't always have that. And you don't want to miss those moments when the people that you love need you. So I really had that time as I got into it to really process some of the things that were working and some of the things that weren't working. To be honest, there were things in my heart, in my mind, in my life that I was holding on to because I did not want um, to experience the hard part of it. And the hard part of saying this isn't working or the hard part of saying, you know, have a let your eating is not it's not going to serve you well, or the way that you're parenting in that moment is not serving you or that habit or that, um, relationship or, or that, uh, way you facilitate work. It's not serving you. And you have to decide, are you just, um, a victim to how it all works? And are you a victim to their, their thought about you or what other people think about you? Are you actually a driver? Are you going to be able to go through, some hard to get to the good. And I really began to wrestle. And what was what amazed me, and I hope that this speaks to you, is these weren't just ideas that I had. I had built altars around some of these thoughts. You know, like, I deserve this, or I don't want to experience that, or I don't want to work that hard, or I don't want to, you know, have the consequence of that choice. And I began to realize that that was the part of me that wasn't showing up as an adult. It was showing up as the little girl who wanted someone to solve it for me and was hoping that God would rescue me from my choices, my decisions, my leadership, you know, all those things. And I needed to show up like a spiritual grown up. And so I really began to sit on some things in my life. And, you know, in the past when I had done this, I, I just had this sense of like, all I'm trying to do is get to the good in life, right? Like I just want to marry the right person to have a good marriage. I just want to raise the kids, have healthy kids and, you know, so that they, I can have a healthy family. You know, I just want to keep the weight at a normal, normal level so I can have a healthy body. And those are all great things. And yet when we experience the hard in life, it causes us to question how do I get to the good? And, and I'm not prepared for this because I keep thinking that if everything is good, then my life is going to feel good. I'm going to feel empowered. I'm going to feel confident. And when I felt the bad in life, I assumed I was doing it wrong, right? Like when marriage is hard, then someone's doing it wrong. They're not showing up. Uh, you know, there's someone's not being honest. Someone's not pulling their weight. And what I began to learn many years ago was that actually good and bad happen at the same time. 
And this happened in one of my counseling sessions where we began to explore. And she said, you know, Havila, you have a very extreme way of living. You are good, bad, right, wrong, white, black. That's how you live. And your, your mindset is that way. And so what happens is, is that when you experience the bad, the disappointing, the dark parts of life, you assume that those are all signs of disobedience. Those are signs of you know, somebody not doing it right. And you need to get rid of that as soon as possible. So you can live back in the light, back in power, back in courage. And she really challenged me and said, no, both things happen at the same time. And what gets your focus is where your empowered life comes from. It's not removing the bad or elevating the good. In fact, if you elevate the good to such a a place that you are, you know, Pollyanna and you are so happy and so everything's just perfect. There's a disingenuous part to your life because you know, that's not true. You know, have you ever met somebody who cannot stop raving about their spouse? <laughs> you know who it is, right? He's so cute. He's so amazing. He's so successful. He's so, 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 so. And there's a part of you that loves to watch somebody celebrate their spouse, but there's also a part of you that goes, uh, come on. Like, we're all human, right? Like everybody has good and bad. And I get concerned that you're not seeing any bad and that's not really great. It doesn't mean that we fixate on the bad. It doesn't mean that we point it out. It doesn't mean we even tell our friends, right? But there's that part that goes, you are ignoring that there is some flaws in this person and that doesn't make them not perfect. It doesn't make them not incredible. But if you don't humanize them, it's going to be a really hard existence because you're married to a human. And that's kind of how I, I, I feel. I think there's a, a tendency for certain personalities to kind of exaggerate the positive to where you go, mm. and then there are others that just exaggerate the negative, right? They're the person you go, hey, how you doing? And they're like, not good. And you, you kind of fall into that trap a couple of times and then you realize, wait, they've said this for the last six years. Every time I ask them, it's another crisis. It doesn't diminish that they're in crisis or that they're having a hard time. But the filter is that all they're seeing is the bad in their life. And I have to be aware that that's how they filter their life. And their bad doesn't mean that it's as bad as it is. Um, and I'm allowed to see good and bad at the same time, even if they're only explaining their bad. So those are things I began to really process. And I'm, I'm saying this not as a completed person. I'm saying this as somebody who has to continually do this. And so for me, I really had to begin to look at the good and the bad in my life and what was working for me. And one of the things I had to go, I really began to unpack was what script am I living that isn't mine? What, what life script have I taken on and I'm living it out and I'm assuming that this is going to lead me to, you know, peace and fulfillment and all those things. But is it really who God's called me to be? And is there maybe a script or a road or somewhere that I'm on a journey that I need to get off? And that's really where I started really processing the idea of pulling the car over, like stopping the car and assessing where am I? Like, where am I? I know I'm in Redding, California. I know that I'm 45 years old. I know that I'm married and have four kids. I know that I, ha you know, I have back issues. I know that I'm on the road this fall. I know all those things. But like, Havala, where are you? Like, where are you? Not, I'm checking all the boxes of the script, but where am, where are you? 
And are you willing to sit with the uncomfortable part of, I'm not sure where I am. Am I happily married? Am I giving 100% to my marriage or am I just an autopilot? Am I being the type of mom that, yeah, I might be a fun mom, but am I giving them life skills? And am I living through some of the consequences to them being, them liking me, but not knowing how to live with, um, you know, guidance and structure? Um, you know, in ministry, are you, are you trying to keep everybody on your staff and everybody in your world inspired and happy and, and, you know, motivated? And yet, is that really what you're supposed to be doing? And is that really the best steward stewardship of what God's given you? And those were hard, hard questions. I mean, such hard questions that I found myself not sleeping well, um, you know, praying, getting up in the morning and praying, talking to God about it, reading, listening, writing, and just going, okay, I got to figure this out. And I am one of those, you guys know me, I'm not much of a deep thinker in the sense that I like to sit in it. I kind of like to just pop in, figure it out and pop back out. But pain does something to you. And I have found this in relationships. I found this in my body. I, I get emotional thinking about it because I wish that the currency of getting my attention was joy. I wish it was the thing that got me to look up and assess where I am. But for me personally, it's pain. It's when things aren't working or I feel like I'm losing myself or I don't know if I'm living in the space that God's created me to live in. And I don't know why I'm not fully showing up and why I'm afraid that it's going to be too much for me or why I can't be honest about something. And I'm too afraid of their disappointment or the shame that I might feel. And so for me, I had to really go into that process of what is, what isn't working. And I'm allowed to say it isn't working. And as a church kid, as a minister, we don't like to say those things because life is hard and you want to know that, listen, I'm not giving up on anything or anyone or any you know situation. But what I've found is that the moment we actually admit this isn't working and we admit we're in pain, that's the moment when we start to find the courage to say, I am not going to live in this pain. I'm not going to live in this discomfort. I'm not going to live in this facade or this script that isn't mine. And you know, I don't, I don't want to present myself and then go back home and try to navigate my authentic self. I want me, I want to be able to present the authentic part of who I am to the world and, and to be okay with that. So for me personally, and this is what I want to start with is learning to embrace the good and the hard in life is really about telling yourself the truth. I know. And I, I, I want to say, oh, I'm good at telling myself the truth. No, you're good at telling the truth. I'm good at saying this isn't working or this, this is working, but it's more about going into a deeper level of Havala, you are not showing up or you are afraid or you are scared or you are ashamed or you are, um, you know, you are not growing in this area. You're not being honest with yourself about that. You know, you're blaming everything else, but you're not really calling yourself up and saying, Hey, you're living below the belt. You're not living, you know, into the fullness that you're called to live. And that's hard. And for me, it was hard to admit that I was not living, um, fully, alive in my choices, in my decisions, in my mindset, 
And gosh, I was working hard at it. I was trying and I do my best. And I know a lot of you on here, you do your best. It's not like we're trying to live with our head in the cloud. We really are trying to live a normal, healthy, faith-based life. But for me personally, part of my re- like deconstruction and construction of my God-given purpose is really about being honest with myself, what is working and what isn't working. And that right there is where I felt like I had a huge breakthrough. You know, the Bible says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears no fruit. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I had to go through aspects of my life, my relationships, my choices, my feelings, my mindsets, and begin to let myself die, to feel the pain of that's going to lead me to death. That is not real. That is not good. That's not going to serve me. It's not going to serve my family. It's not going to serve the woman as I get older and I grow and I become mature. It's not going to serve who I know I'm supposed to be, my future self. And so that's my challenge for you today is, are you telling yourself the truth? Do you know where you are? Do you need to pull the car over and just say, okay, wait, 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 wait. I got to figure this out. Because I want to give you this, this great insight that I received while on my sabbatical. And it was so helpful. I was listening to a podcast about life and growing and reinvention and all those things. And the author said something. She said, you know, you have to decide, are you in the driver's seat or are you in the passenger seat? And immediately, as every leader or you know person that wants to be powerful says, well, I'm in the driver's seat. Of course, I'm driving my car. And then she began to outline what a passenger does. (laughs) Now get ready. She said, a passenger sits in the car and complains about the temperature, the music choice, which direction is being taken. It gives a lot of feedback, but when it hits a dead end, they can do nothing and they feel powerless because they feel like life has driven them to this dead end area of their life. And when she said it, I was like, oh no, I definitely feel those things in my heart at times. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we going here? Why would you do it that way? Why would you spend that money? I don't understand. And yet I'm just a passenger with my feet up on the dashboard, just complaining about what we're doing and where we're going. And then she said, but a driver figures out the route. And when he comes to a dead end, he realizes there is no dead ends. Drivers always have detours and rerouting. Detours and rerouting. And when she said it, I thought, you know what? Every time in my life that I have felt fully empowered is when I know there are a thousand ways to get there and I'm powerful enough to make those choices and I'm allowed to make those choices, and I'm allowed to do a U-turn, and I'm allowed to take a detour, and I'm allowed to follow the car in front of me. Uh, But it feels safer being in the passenger seat because you can check your Instagram, and you can, you know, wait for your paycheck, and you can just figure out, you know, well, you know, tell me where we're going to go, and then I'll I'll just bark out orders. And it's scary to be in the driver's seat, but there's something about being in the driver's seat that wakes you up to, if you don't like the way this is going, then it's your fault. You are driving this car. You are the one that is making these choices. You are having these attitudes. You are elevating those emotions. And it's time to wake up and to grow up and to figure out you have one beautiful life to live. So live it, get up and live it. And so for me personally, 
when I started to hear that, I was like, oh, that's good. But can I be really honest with you? There was a part of me that thought, but I don't know where I'm going. Like, I know where I'm going on the big scheme of life, right? Like, I want to love God my whole life, and I want to help others, and I want my kids to love God, and I want them to love others. And, you know, I want to be able to be generous financially. I want to be able to love one man for the rest of my life. I want my dogs to adore me, right? The the simple things. But, like, where am I going? And I found that because I had been in the passenger seat in these areas of my life, I was so disempowered, that when I was asked where I was going, all the only opinion I had was, I don't like what the road we're taking. I don't like the music. I needed to be a little cooler in here. I had a lot of opinions about things other than the direction and the choices that were being made. I know, right? Ouch. (laughs) I don't like to say that, but that's the truth. And so I began to ask myself, why am I so numb? Why am I so beat down? I know, and I, I'm not being dramatic, but you know what I'm talking about? When you have a demanding life and things are coming at you, and then you add in culture and you add in, you know, the, the financial um, atmosphere and, you, and the faith atmosphere, right? Like if things were, were worse enough, let's just have a few documentaries un, unpacking some of our greatest faith movements in the church and humiliating, you know, great leaders and great movements. And, and then on top of that, let's have, you know, us live in states where we're, we're being provoked all the time for basic rights as parents and, and our kids being, you know, uh, propagated and, and, and indoctrinated. I mean, there's so much coming at us and I found myself just stuck in the passenger seat of my life. And my sabbatical was a time for me to wake up and say, no, God has not brought me this far for me to sit in the passenger seat. God has not brought me this far to sit at a dead end waiting for somebody to fix it. God has not brought me this far to sit in the passenger seat and gripe about who didn't do what and why they didn't do it and why I need my husband to figure this part out. And I have to do the awkward, humbling, ridiculous walk where you Chinese fire drill, right? You get out of the car, you walk all the way around and you get in the driver's seat. And that's what I want to talk about this month in this series. I want to talk about what it looks like to get in the driver's seat and the things I'm doing right now. Like I'm not way ahead of you. These are, these are like hot off the press. I'm doing this right alongside of you. Here's some truths that I learned along the way that have really helped me to understand what the good and the bad is in life, how to embrace that, but also how to begin to have a balance in that. Because most of my life, um, I'm, I'm, I'm judging myself for not feeling the good and I'm avoiding the bad. Okay. That's just me. I'm sure you're amazing and I'm not, but that's how it felt. So for me, I've gone on this really amazing, uh, I want to say excavation of my heart, my mind, and some of the things that I think God is trying to get my attention on. And hopefully he's trying to get your attention on as we do this together. So what are my big takeaways today? I think one of the big takeaways is that good and bad happen at the same time. And if all you're feeling is the good and all you're feeling is the bad, then you lack balance. There's something in you that's either afraid of the bad or elevating the good in such a way that you're not living a, a honest life to know, okay, both these things are going to happen at the same time and it is okay. And then secondly, you might be heading through life and you're not sure where you're going. And I would say to you, it's time to pull over 
It's time to stop the car for a minute. It's time to ask yourself the questions. Where am I? Am I, am I where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And then it's time to be honest, honest with yourself, honest with your choices, honest with your attitudes and stop making excuses. You're not too old. You're not too tired. You're not too broke. You are not just a grandma. You are not just a college student. You are a child of God. Your purpose and destiny matters. Your purpose on the planet is critical to the kingdom of God. And you do not have to work this hard. And for some of you, it's time to get your work boots on and get going and start that process of learning to be in the driver's seat again. All right, you guys, that's it for today. I will catch you next week as we continue in looking at what it looks like to embrace the good and the hard life. One last thing, if you like this podcast, would you do me a favor? Will you make sure and maybe subscribe to this podcast, rate it or review the podcast? I know it always feels like, really, I have a job. I promise it's easy. And the way that the podcast world works is if it doesn't get reviews and it doesn't get stars, then it goes down the list and people don't find you. And so the best thing you can do for the Havla podcast is to leave me a, a review or to subscribe or to rate it. And um, that gives me a chance of getting into other people's homes and on their devices. And that would really, really help me. All right, you guys, thanks for tuning in. Again, all the details for the author school are in the show notes. And next week, we're going to dive deeper into what it looks like to be a driver and some of the things I've been doing that are not serving me well. And let's see if they relate to you as well. Have a great week and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.